Welcome to Thrive 9 to 5, a podcast all about how you can kick ass in the office and in life without feeling exhausted or overwhelmed. Each week, I'm sharing simple self-care strategies, mindset hacks, and time management tips so you can get promoted without burning yourself out. My goal is to help you create success without sacrificing your soul or your sanity. I'm your host, Celeste Harrington. Hey, Thrivers. Welcome back to another episode of Thrive 9 to 5. Today, I have on our second guest, Miss Serena, a career clarity coach. We'll get into the details of what that is, and I'll let her introduce herself because we talk about career and transitions and burnout and health and well-being in the workplace and you having a clear path on what direction you want to go in, I think makes us feel confident and motivated and inspired in and out of the office, really. So Serena, tell the people, who are you? Who do you serve? What are you doing? Yes. Hello. I'm Serena. I'm the founder of Get Me Out of This Job. I primarily work with those feminist-minded individuals (laughs) who are really struggling with the issue of like, what do I do next in my career? Whether that be kind of how to deal with a boss or career clarity, finding what's next step for your career, start a business, leave a job, stay at a job, burn down the systems, whatever you want, (laughs) anything in between. But really, I'm all about helping them find fulfillment and happiness and clarity and feeling good about their career because Oof, we've all been there. <laughs> I know. When we're exhausted. It is. Whenever you don't feel good about work, you don't feel good about anything. And that's like all you think about. Well, it's like such a massive portion of life. Like we have life and then our career. And especially living in the United States, right? Like your career is so tied into your identity. So whether you whether you want it to be or not it is tied to your identity. So when that piece is missing, you're like in a constant identity crisis. (laughs) Yeah. I know. It's the first question you ask, like on a date or when you're meeting someone new, I was like, what do you do for work? What do you do for work? Yeah. (laughs) Everyone hates that question. I personally love that question. I've always loved that question because I think some people do really fascinating things. People have the most random freaking jobs that you have no idea even exist. And I love hearing those stories, but I also recognize how much stress and anxiety that causes to a lot of people, especially when they like, don't like their job. Mm -hmm, For sure. Or they're maybe even looking for a new job or like Mm -hmm. just doesn't align with their current identity. So if someone is coming to you where it isn't aligning, their work is not aligning with where they want to go. Like what are some of the first steps you take with clients who like, please help me. I don't see a future or I just don't see my own future here or something of that nature. Well, I feel like, you know, we might have this in common where like the first like steps, I think defining career clarity are are literally like to not think about work (laughs) because we have all these preconceived notions about what work should look like how you should feel, what you should be doing. And we've inherited all of these ideas from like our parents, our friends, society. And so when we try to like fit ourselves into this box, like you already have this box that you're trying to seek to put yourself in and that's like not helpful. So 
we like throw all of that crap to the side and really focus on like, what makes you happy? Like, what is your life? What do you want your lifestyle to look like? What are your strengths? What are your non-negotiables with like, I call them non-negotiables, but really like, what are your main priorities? Is it to to have nights and weekends off? Is it to spend more time with your kids? Is it to take a vacation whenever you want? Like, is it to live in a specific area? Like whatever that might be, identifying those things first without the pressure of reality, which is really hard to disassociate, but we try to do the best we can. And once we've established, I call it the career compass. It's like your anchor to make sure you're always coming back to you, who you are and what you want then you can start inviting potential career possibilities back in. And you're always referring back to your career compass because you know this, your brain starts freaking out, goes into scarcity mode. It starts like doing all of this like jumping jacks. But that's not the word I'm looking for. It's like turning itself upside <laughs> down. I don't know why I thought jumping jacks. <laughs> I like it. Jacks. I like exercise <laughs> references. <laughs> I might steal that for myself. <laughs> It's like going in circles, trying to like, like be like, oh, you should rationalize why you should take this job that you're having like in your gut feeling reactions to, right? And like negative reactions to. And so I've noticed when we have something to anchor ourselves on that is purely separate from what you think your career should be, my clients tend to have more confidence and they feel stable with their choices. And they can go into an interview or go into a job application and go, I know what I want and I know what I'm worth and I know what type of life I'm trying to build. And if this is not it, I will be okay, which is just a massive mindset shift. Yeah, it totally is. I think one of the first steps I have my clients do, and you might do this as well, is like, what's working? Like really simplify it. And like every day when you end your day, like ask yourself, what's working because we'll so easily focus on what we didn't get done and what's yeah. not working. And that absorbs your entire brain and you miss out on everything that did go well. And that yeah. could be stuff at work or conversations you had with people or that you got a workout in that day, or you went to mm-hmm. lunch, like whatever it is, like what went well, because that builds your confidence too, and your own yeah. self-worth. So you can have those conversations about your value and what you can contribute because you have this list and this like repository, almost like, look at all these amazing things I've done. And I tell yeah. people too, like, Hey, the more you write this down, the more your brain will focus on it. And if you actually like really make a log of everything that went well, you'll have an easier time like writing your performance review or applying for jobs. If that's where you're totally. going. The disassociation, I always feel like is even for myself is the hardest part because you even write these things down and your brain immediately tries to like downplay it mm-hmm. or like write it off as it wasn't that important, especially during COVID. You know, I joke, but then I'm also serious. Like if putting on pants makes you feel good and today you put on pants, like that's a win. And it seems really stupid and like frivolous, but sometimes you have to start there. You know, we are taught like wins need to be this like climbing Mount Everest style celebration when it's like that obnoxious saying that's like, uh, on top of every mountain you climb, there's a hundred failures along the way or a thousand failures <laughs> yes. along the way. Right. But it's like, it, it obnoxiously is very true. <laughs> right. Of course. The disassociation I think is, actually that's fascinates me how we can easily just go to that place um, and how hard it is to really feel it 
in your body, right? Like you logically know it in your head, but to feel it in your body, like how do you connect those two? Sometimes you just don't and you just have to make choices. Actually, most of the time you have to make choices without, because we're we're waiting for it to connect in our body and we just have to like go for it, which is terrifying. I love that you brought the brain body connection into this conversation because I think that is so left out in conversations about work. I think mental health is finally, like I saw a headline today about bringing in mental health into the police force. I'm like, hello, duh. Like, why is this just now a headline? But not just that type of work, but like literally any type of work. And part of that is your body. Like you, mm-hmm. it's so, it's just so fascinating that we don't check in with that, but we're not taught to, especially mm-hmm. because we're thinking about being professional and that checking into your body seems sort of woo, but you're really yeah. detaching part of your like physiological experience in life. Yeah. And your nervous like, system. Exactly. Right. right. Like you're, you're detaching from your nervous system and your nervous system is sending you signals. And like, oh my God, by the way, professionalism, let's, I just want to burn that word. I just want to <laughs> burn it. I want to light it on fire. Like when people say like professionalism is like some white supremacy, supremacist capitalist patriarchal bullshit. It really is because like, you know, emotions are not allowed, right? They're unprofessional. When right. like every single human being <laughs> has a range of emotions on a daily basis. I am a crier. I have cried at every single one of my jobs. And thankfully I worked, I worked in nonprofits and I primarily worked on teams of women and like crying was okay. Like, and I'm so grateful for that because I'm a crier. Like I cry when I'm frustrated. I cry when I'm happy. Like I cry. And to have to detach that part of myself was so hard. And so like, yeah, so it's, I'm happy that that conversation is happening. I wish it would happen faster. And I wish, right. but I mean, we're, we're really going up against some, some intense, you know, structural realities here. So serious culture shift for the entire <laughs> United States. Uh, yeah, but it is exactly. fascinating because you're right, obviously in the past, historically, and still at present day, a lot of companies and businesses and countries are ran by men who are taught not to cry, right. And taught to not wear or show their emotions. And so you wonder why whenever say a woman or anyone really shows emotion in the office or the workplace, it becomes unprofessional. And it's only because we are being compared to someone who's been conditioned to not do that, which is just so insane. Can you imagine if in your performance review, if they, your boss was giving you like negative feedback and you wanted to cry and instead of making it uncomfortable, they say, I know that this is hard and right. it can be really triggering and it's okay if you want to show emotion. I'm here to hold space for that. I still want to address this and we want to work on it, but it's okay to not feel good about this in this moment. And I don't think less of you. I think it's really brave that you are letting this emotion, like you are facing it. Like, oh my God, can you imagine? Right, like, <laughs> I know. Literally in one of my notes I wrote down for this episode was like being seen, felt, and heard in the workplace. And that's like literally all anyone wants is to be seen, felt, heard, supported. And it's not that hard. But what's so crazy is a lot of people who are put into managerial roles don't necessarily have those people skills. And they're not prepared to handle someone's emotional load, (laughs) right? 
totally. I think every single one of my clients, when they're unhappy with their role and they want to leave, they go verbatim, like across the board. I just want a job where I feel like, number one, I'm adding to the world. Like I'm doing something good. I want to feel fulfilled and I want to feel like I'm doing something that has value. And I think most of us relate. They think something has value is like nonprofit work or doing something that's like good for the environment or something. But really at the core, what it actually means is that they're doing work where they say are valued, where somebody goes, thank you for sending that email. It means something to this company. Thank you for being the janitorial staff, like they feel seen at work. And that's what I think people actually mean. I mean, people obviously want to be doing something more. Like I have a lot of clients who leave advertising because they're like, I'm tired of marketing like this product (laughs) that people don't need, like, which I totally get. But yeah, people want their work to be valued and they want to feel like they're not a cog in a machine. They need that. And you're right. It is on paper. The idea is so simple, but the way we promote and the way we hire people don't have these skills. And so it's a cocktail of a lot of people's trauma and emotions shoved into a box and then shaken up. And they're like, but thrive and be professional and like hit your marks. And everyone's like nervous system is like, ah, oh my God, please help me. I know it's so crazy. And it's really interesting to think about this idea of feeling valued and seen and heard and supported. I think that's why I love the list of what went well today because it's self-fulfilling, it's self-validating. And so you're not also relying on your boss or a peer or someone to say like, Hey, good job. Or, Hey, I see you. I feel you. And I think that that's really important too. Oh, that's such a hard shift. That is such a hard hard shift. Yeah. To self-validate is so hard, especially in a world where our worth is so intrinsically tied to our productivity and trying to separate that out and reframe that and flip it on its head. It is one of the most, like, I mean, I feel like I coach this stuff and I struggle with this every single day. Oh, for sure. Right. Like we, I still struggle this. And, you know, I was recently diagnosed with ADHD. I was like, oh, my entire life makes sense now. But the amount of times I've struggled with not being able to focus, not being able to get through my to-do list, not all of these things that made me just feel so just kind of a a mess of a human, but it was just the way my brain works. And it's like, oh, no wonder now I have that self-validation, but I still struggle with that even running my own business. Like it's hard. It is hard because you've been training conditioned since like we were three years old, like toilet training of like, good job to pee in the potty. Here's a gold star. Like, you know what I mean? And we got that all the way through any type of schooling. It's just constant external validation to perform, to be productive, to do the best, blah, blah, blah. And so it doesn't support any sort of neurodiversity at all, right? It doesn't support anything besides the square peg hole, whatever we want to call them. What is cis men productivity and (laughs) professionalism? But it's really hard to self-validate because that is the standard too, right? And so you're trying to measure up against something that really, I I don't want to say will never be as it's a bad way. Because like who actually really wants to be that, right? It kind of, we need something different in the workspace and it's happening slowly, but it's happening. So it's really fascinating if we had people, not only the managers who are great people, people, 
but also like self-validating people who are like, this is working out really well. And this is how much value I'm contributing. And yeah, you know, you think about being in the room with those kind of people and they just make you feel good about yourself because they feel good about themselves too. Totally. I completely agree with that. You know, one exercise I do with my clients is all about redefining success. And I feel like I have them write out their career story thus far, right? And then ask them, like, how does that story make you feel? Like, how are you talking about yourself? (laughs) Like, let's pay attention to the language you're using in there. And in that career story, where can we pull out ideas of what success should be and where you feel like you haven't lived up? And like, asking people, where do you think you've learned those ideas of what success is? And like, do those ideas serve you? And some people, they have really healthy ideas of what success is. There's usually always something we can tweak that is like the core and the stem. It's like the root of a lot of this, like the lack of self-validation because they're constantly measuring themselves up to an idea of what success should be. And that's not even really what they want. Like most people don't want to climb this ladder to become a CEO. They just want a job that pays them, that makes them feel good, where they can live their life. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say like, let's fit a career into a U box instead of you fitting yourself into a career box. And I think, what is his name? Adam Grant, that really smart man on the internet, the, the organizational psychologist. And he said this, I think much more eloquently, but he was like, we are taught build your life around a career, but really we need to be flipping it and building your career around your life, what you want to be doing. And that always has to be the core. You do this probably with your clients too, right? Like a good career coach is not going to be just like helping you get from point A to point B. But I, I mean, there, there are career coaches for that. Like, I shouldn't say that, but like, <laughs> we're just not those kind. <laughs> we're, we're not those coaches. Like at the core of what I do is like, what does this life look like? And what careers help support that lifestyle that because like God, like we have one life to live. I believe you have one life to live and this is it. And like, I don't want to be spending it like worrying about work. And that's a huge privilege, right? Like a lot of people can't do that, but it's just, I've had good situations and bad. We've all had shitty career situations and navigating your career is hard. Navigating through that, regardless if you love your job or hate your job, it's a lot of emotion. (laughs) It is. Well, I think, I think the idea of bringing it in a more holistic approach like that, where the career is just part of your life. And you're right. I very much, very much coach on that because you have so many facets, like you're a freaking diamond. Like literally you can identify as so many different things. Like some people are parents and siblings and they have family members and they're pet owners and they our gardeners, they're remodeling homes. I'm just talking about what we're doing minus the kid yeah. part, except for we have like <laughs> scaly and furry children. <laughs> That's what we have. Yeah. We have, <laughs> we have lizards, chickens, and, uh, you technically have a dinosaur. Chickens are a hundred percent. We both have forms of dinosaurs. Amazing. For those listening, I have a bearded dragon yes. <laughs> named Norbert. <laughs> it is awesome. I told you my brother just got a bearded dragon too. They named it milk. And, oh, it is so funny watching its journey of like shedding. And I feel like it changes colors. I don't know. It's not a chameleon, but. <laughs> I 10 out of 10 recommend a bearded dragon. They're they seem such pretty weird great. Creatures. They're such okay. weird creatures. Anyways, I die. <laughs> we can talk <laughs> we about bearded dragons. Them. Yeah. On another podcast, we can talk about bearded dragons for like an hour. I will. I love my lizard baby. <laughs> He's awesome. I love him. 
but that's part of your identity, right? You have yeah. to, you have to remember that. And I think whenever we forget that and your work becomes all consuming, that's when mm-hmm. life kind of sucks. And instead of like remembering and like pulling back and kind of having a bird's eye view of like, no, this is my life. And I mean, we were talking before we started recording this about how like one of my interests in coaching landed me another role, another job mm-hmm. in my like corporate life. And the same thing would happen to literally anyone. You talk about your interests or your passions mm-hmm. or other certifications you're getting or whatever it is. And you don't know what door that could open for you. It could be really amazing. Oh, a hundred percent. I love networking. I'm like the type of person that will network at anywhere, like sitting at a restaurant with my waitress, like what, it doesn't matter. (laughs) A family event. Like I love utilizing my network. It's my favorite thing. And one thing that has always helped me is it doesn't have to be very specific. It doesn't have to be the thing that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. But whatever problem I need to solve, I literally ask that specific problem to everyone. Like, for example, this is not a work related, but like, we just moved across the country, we're renovating a house, I don't know any contractors in this area. And I don't feel like getting on the phone book and cold calling whole bunch of people. So I literally asked my partner's family, I was like, if you know anybody who's a contractor, can we have their number the neighbors that we that we're, we're moving that we built a relationship with I was like, do you know a contractor, I would love their number. Literally, I have friends who used to live in this area or around the Berkshires. That's where we're living now. And I was like, do you have any contractors? <laughs> like every single person knows I'm like looking for a contractor. And now we found one. I'm like, great. What is the next thing we're looking for? And like, I'm very specific. And I think I see my clients have a lot of success when they're like, hey, I'm interested in learning more about X. Do you know anybody who is in that world or adjacent to that world? Right? Like. I have a client right now who's looking for somebody to go on an informational interview with somebody at like Salesforce. And I was like, literally ask everyone if they know somebody who works at Salesforce and see if people know anyone. I just firmly believe in asking for what you want. Yeah. You have to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you just have to. And of course that comes with like confidence and and confidence comes by trying and figuring out how to not really promote yourself, but just like have a genuine conversation and connection. Mm-hmm. I think that's also where we want to talk a little bit about like relationships in the workplace too, is like, yeah. you kind of have to have that relationship with yourself first before you go mm-hmm. and try and have build a relationship with someone else. Or yeah, the other thing too, is like thinking about, I think there's so much weight we put on expectations of ourselves and of others. And mm-hmm. I was talking with one of my clients about being valuable and providing value. He was going to email his old job to like stay in touch, like kind of on the topic of networking, right? He's like, I just don't want to be forgotten. I'm like, well, they're not going to forget you one, (laughs) but two, what do you want out of that conversation? Which is so interesting that this person in your client's case wanted a a connection to Salesforce. And I think you have to remember what you want out of it, but Mm -hmm. also know that you're going out for bat for yourself. And the more batting practice you get, the better you are going to get at hitting the ball and something's going to come back in, in yeah. return for you. Like it's love it, that analogy. Yeah. Love that like <laughs> telling you exercise and sport and not really sports, but exercise analogies. I got unlocked, but yeah, you just have to like advocate for yourself and know what you really want easier said than done, obviously, but it makes the conversation that much easier, but also like to really realign the expectation, like not everyone is going to 
meet your expectations and let that be okay. Like this person might not find any Salesforce connections, very slim chance that's ever going to happen because it's such a big company, but like, that's okay. But she tried, she advocated for herself, right? And she might meet someone else along the way. You know, we should talk about that. So many times I get this. It's like, well, what happens if I go down a pathway, an avenue, oh, whatever we want to call it, and it's a dead end. And to me, I'm like, no matter what, you will have gained some sort of knowledge, even the knowledge of yes or no. And like, it's so important that you go down that path. But I get the hesitancy to do that because a lot of this sometimes takes a lot of time and effort. And when you are working like two jobs to make a living, when you're a mom or a parent and you have to, you're dealing with COVID and like, that exerting energy for this, right? Like you want to limit the dead ends as much as possible because your energy is a finite resource in this case. And that's always something that I think is so true. And also it's a reality that's really hard to navigate through, right? And I think that's why you work with a career coach to help you try to mitigate those dead ends, (laughs) the number of those dead ends. But, and you know, the only answer I have to that is like, well, this is why it takes time right? Because we do have to protect our resource of energy. You have to fiercely protect it. So maybe it means that you want this job in four months. Well, that's not going to happen. If you really want to make a change, it's going to take about a year and a half and like having that understanding of it. But yeah, I I don't know. I just think that it's always important to acknowledge because I run up to that obstacle a lot. I don't know if you also run up to that with your clients. Yeah, I think it just depends. I mean, I definitely had a client that like made a change very, very quickly, like definitely did not take him a year and a half to do anything. Like yeah, he is like to stick with baseball, hitting it out of the park. Like I'm yeah. my I'm like jaw dropped all the time when I talk to him, like champagne problems over here. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Why are you working yeah. with me? Like, yeah. but it's really fascinating because the mindset part, I think is what takes the longest to come on to board, right? The what's working. Is it really a dead end? Like what are the intangible wins here? I think that's the most important thing when you talk about these dead ends is what are the intangible results that you just received? Because I work with a lot with salespeople. I used to be a fundraiser, which is like, like do gooder sales, I guess, kind of. So it's thankfully I had an incredible boss, but oh my God, sales are the devil. (laughs) <laughs> awful. These poor people are like, but my quota, I'm like, what are the intangible wins here? Like, what are the intangible things that you can like celebrate and talk about and, and not be, I don't know, pinned up against this wall of a quota. So it's just really fascinating to like, wow. think about reframing the dead end. Like, is it really a dead end? I, I don't know where I learned this phrase, but it's, if you don't hit a goal or a quota, whatever, whoever's listening, a goal or a quota you either get the result or you get the lesson you needed. And I think that's such an important thing to remember because that means you're always winning. You're either hitting your quota or your goal or getting the lesson you needed so you can go try something new the next time or go get your goal the next time. Like you're always getting something. Yeah. And it's hard when you have a boss writing your ass and like you feel like your job's at stake, right? And like, I think this is what we don't talk about a lot or we don't hear a lot from like the community at large, right? Or when we're thinking about careers, like in the career coaching world, we know this, but like in the community at large, it's like acknowledging that 
the reason you are scared and the reason you can't identify the intangible wins is because it's literally tied in your brain to a life or death scenario. It's right. not really life or death, but your no. nervous system is viewing it as life or death. And to just yeah. stop and be like, hey, I see you. It's going to be okay. Like, that is the most important. That's the work. And it's really frustrating because it's not instant, right? It's right. something you have to do over and over and over again. It's an <laughs> intangible, right? You're not really going to see yeah. like, <laughs> exactly results out is. of this. You are, but you're not at the same time. And yeah. so I agree with you. It's so fascinating because... I always play that game with my clients. I'm like, okay, if you get fired, what happens? Like, please, please walk me through it. Like, let's walk your brain through it. Let's get your nervous system to like chill the fuck out for a minute because you're not going to be like homeless living under a bridge. Like that is probably the very last thing that's going to happen because everyone is resourceful. Like you are absolutely so resourceful. Mm -hmm. What is going to happen? Yeah. That is the hardest thing to wrap your brain around. hundred percent. Like, so fear-based. You know, I want to go back. I wanted to ask you about this because the question of like, what is your value? Like show them your value. I feel like I also want to burn that question to the ground because mm-hmm. it's so hard for us because we are so like, again, the intangible wins, like the intangible value, right? Like it's so hard. I think specifically for those who are raised like as, you know, female identifying humans or anybody who kind of sits outside of this male kind of persona, but like to articulate your value. So many of our strengths and our value is intangible. It's a presence. And like you live in a world that needs you on your resume to articulate in quantifiable measure, like, you know, what your value is. And that is so hard to wrap our brain around like, okay, like, yes, for the resume, we have to do that. But for now, we need to ground ourselves in our confidence about what is our value to ourselves, to our friends, to our family. And like, you know, it always kind of feels like bragging and like mm-hmm. helping people kind of get through that and and own that. Like, like you said, like you are a diamond, you are a remarkable human being. Like the fact that you exist on this earth is just like truly mind boggling. <laughs> right. We think about I it. Um, it is. Right? <laughs> and that's always such a hard question, right? Um, it is. And I it's want, so hard. I always like want to throw it away and you know, I, I wish employers would st- like, how can we think about that? Your, our value in a different way, because we're trying to quantify ourselves and that's just not fair to who we are, I think. Yeah. It is an interesting question, especially the quantifying thing. And it, I, I think that the theme of today seems to be this intangible thing, like these things that you yeah. can't see and feel and touch, but they happen. It's part of the results and the, and the value you do give. And, mm-hmm. um, and really, it's so interesting too because I we're we're so trained to stay humble and not do the bragging, right? And so that's gotcha. a whole other conversation. We can have a whole podcast episode on that. I know, but, right? um, <laughs> but besides that whole tr- social conditioning and training, I think another great reframe for that is like, how can you help? Like, what do you do to help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good reframe. Like that's value is helping. Like you're helping do whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And who knows what that is? It doesn't mean I have a quantifier, but it sure as hell is a qualifier, right? Yeah. And when you can like own that truly in your body and feel that you are yeah. helpful and you stand so firm in that, 
that it starts to show itself what the quantifiable ways at work or with the people around you. And you can start to see that through line of, oh, here is how I help people. Here's how I've helped them throughout my career. There's always a through line. I love looking at, you know, my favorite clients are the ones who come to me and like, I have a hodgepodge career. I am because I'm like the queen of the pivot. Like, oh my God, my career has been like, boop, boop, boop. I'm not somebody who was the A student. I've never identified as an overachiever. I feel like I've always been like an underachiever by like, <laughs> I'm like a C minus. Great. Did I pass the class? Great. <laughs> like, right. don't care. Um, but I love people who feel like they have this entire career that doesn't make sense because there's always a through line. And usually it's something like helping or like how, where do you gravitate towards? Where do you find yourself always participating? Whether it's like organizing spreadsheets or the back ends of things, or like for me, I'm always in the front with people. Like I've been working in on and off in the service industry for like 17 years. I'm like, I love cranky customers. I'm like, give them to me. They're my favorite. Right. And like, what would you say like your, where you gravitate towards? Oh man. I do love like the organizational back end, back of house sort of thing, but really, I really think I see a a, the vision, like the bigger Mm -hmm. vision, like you love music, the orchestrator. Like, I think it's just like, that is the director. Like that is it. I like to like, I don't know. I don't, I just started. You can see all the moving hum- parts. Right. I just started tapping yeah. into human design and I'm like a projector. So I'm supposed to help people channel their energy where it should yeah. go. Great reason why I'm a coach. But yeah, I like to see the big picture and like the end result and let's get us there and let's use these people and these tools and we're going to make it happen. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like magic and I love it. Yeah. And I bet you've done that your entire career in different For ways. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And like, we all have that. And I love when clients like really realize like, oh, this all makes sense. Like it all seems crazy, but it all makes sense. (laughs) It's just a puzzle piece. And you're going to keep adding pieces to the puzzle too. the whole, your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. I I love a good pivot. I love it. It's fun. Celebrate it. (laughs) If you're listening and you've had a crazy pivot, like share it with me. I love it. Yes, please do. I'm so glad you're the pivot, the pivot queen. Well, okay. How can they share it with you? Can you share how people can connect with you? Yeah. My Instagram, everything is get me out of this job. So my website is get me out of this job.co.com. <laughs> my email is Serena at get me out of this job.co. My Instagram is get me out of this job. I just started a TikTok. Get me out of this job. Oh my gosh. How is that going? Uh, One of my clients convinced me to start a TikTok. And then I was like, okay, sounds great. And then I'm like, I like even want to get off Instagram right now. So I'm not going to do this right now. It was going really well. And then as you know, my partner lost his mom. We moved across the country and I took a legit month. I just a week ago came back from taking a month off of work. Oh, yeah, we're gonna so, talk about breaks. Okay, I have to yeah. have you come back on so we can talk about taking yeah, time we, off we, work. We literally can like talk forever. <laughs> yes, we I can. Just, like, you know, it just feels like an extension of when you and I used to like do like our our checking calls when we were in a I mastermind know. together, and <laughs> we just like talk about concepts with it, which is so helpful because it is coaches. We are very siloed. It's you know we work remotely. And I'm sure a lot of people are struggling with this as they work remotely, but like 
having those brainstorming sessions where you can just talk about the like it's almost like the state of the union for your job like your career like <laughs> I love talking with other career coaches and being like what are the big thinkers saying what do we agree with what do we not agree with how do you blow up the system what new thing is helping your clients I have this problem how do I reframe this for them because we're always learning and growing and it's so important to have a community like that um, sure. just so important but yeah, yeah. no, we can. T- so yeah, so TikTok is like, I haven't posted in like a month. I'm sure I'll get back on it. But like Instagram and TikTok for me, I'm like, you know what? I post when I post. I am not here to like make myself show up to some arbitrary like idea of consistency. Like I right. understand. I'm sorry, like marketers around here, but like they're like, that's how you have growth. And I'm like, I know. But also, did you just hear I was diagnosed with ADHD? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, it's a, it goes back to what you're saying about managing your energy in a way that works for you. Like I also like to do things differently. I don't have an ADHD diagnosis, but I have like major burnout trauma. So it's like when I'm on here and I feel myself, it's like an energy leak for me. Like I literally can feel my energy just like being zapped out of my body. I'm like, this is not healthy. Like, why am I on yeah. here? And so I just have like really disengaged and you know, what's funny I can still sign clients without Instagram. I'm sorry, marketers. I just did that. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, 90% of my clients are referral based. Yeah. So, Isn't that the best? Referrals are oh literally the best. Yeah. They're, and also, cause I just get the best clients from referrals. Exactly. Like, cause they're all aligned with my ideology and what, so it's the best, but yeah, like it's, Again, going tying this all into redefining success for yourself. Like success does not look like every single other person's idea of success. Like posting every day, I do it when it feels good for me. And like I still have to deal with that, like fighting with myself of being like, you should yep. show up more, you should do this more, you should be doing this more. And it's like, okay, I feel my body rebelling. I can feel like myself getting exhausted and feeling that like di- I'm starting to get disengaged and I really pay attention to how, when I am engaged and how I am not engaged. And yep. that to me is like, I protect that fiercely. So for sure, you know, and so I grow slowly, right? Most not- things naturally do in human nature. <laughs> They do, right? And we expect things to happen and have these like crazy profit margins. But like for me, an ethical business and showing up with that's the most in alignment with who I am. Integrity, right? Integrity. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Means like taking time off and not posting all the time. And like, I don't want to work that much. Like, no. I don't want to, I want to work like 10 to 15 hours a week. And so Why if that is means that a dirty that, secret too. It's like, I know, I know, I know, see, see this fucking internalized bullshit that I have, like, like whispering it on a podcast. Like what? Like, no, oh my God. No, it, starts, it is. It, it's you know, so true. Like it's even in wild, it is wild. even in my corporate job. I'm like, so I can do this task really, really fast. I'm not going to tell you how fast I can do it because yeah. I want to keep that really close to the chest because I'm really good and really fast. And then I get my time back. Because <laughs> they want your time. And yeah. I mean, yeah, we, again, we can go into the structural bullshit of we like can. how we all labor is inherently exploitative. And like, I love to tell my clients do C minus work and figure out how to cut your work time 
And of course, this is why companies don't want people to work from home because they're paying them for an eight hour day. Like you should be making 70K a year and working 20 hours a week, in my opinion. That's the world I want to live in. Yeah, (laughs) that that and getting away from the industrialized nine to five, eight to five, punching a clock, eight hours, four Uh, hours. It just makes me nauseous. I'm like, uh, so gross. Yeah. You know, it's wild to me is that all these studies come out that show like actually productivity in humans increases when they have complete autonomy over their time and are not micromanaged and work whenever they want. And performance is actually greater. And then they're just like, no, 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 you have to do it this way. And it's like, I don't, uh, mm. I know we're tangenting um, now to a whole we're gonna talk again (laughs) it just means that we need to talk again and again and again oh I hate that (laughs) option (laughs) good well it was amazing talking with you as always all right well follow Serena on get me out of this job remember it's dot co not dot com I'll put it in the show notes below and we will all talk to you next week Thanks for joining this week on Thrive 9 to 5. If this episode hit home for you, because I know it did, join Thrive Weekly, a newsletter for people just like you who are looking to do success differently. The link to subscribe is in the show notes below. You can also follow along on Instagram at Celeste double underscore Harrington. And as always, subscribe to the Thrive 9 to 5 podcast so you can stay up to date as new episodes drop each week. I'll talk to you next time.